Lily Tay was working in a lounge in Golden Sultan. As a hostess there, there are many things that she must do every night, from entertaining guests to copious amounts of drinking. Tonight felt like any other night. Clients would come in, and some would take a liking to her. After all, she was 21 years old. A man came over, and he felt different. He had a strange sense of ambition about him. He too noticed Lily. They would probably be drinking that night, as most nights in lounges went back in the 1980s. As they got to know each other, the man told her, The value of my life is going to be triple in a month's time. But right now, I'm at about $30,000. How does he know the value of his life? Why is he so confident it's about to change? Lily wondered. They continued drinking. One day, I will be greater than Lim Ban Lim, he told her. Lim Ban Lim, she was thinking. And her mind went back in time to over 10 years ago when she was still a kid. A deep sense of worry was emerging, she remembered. This is Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by OneUp Media. Our partner this week is Asia in the Shadows, a true crime podcast. The podcast features true crimes from all over Asia, the largest and most diverse continent on the planet. Every Wednesday, join your host, Christine Abragana, also known as the host of Lagim, a Filipino true crime podcast as she features a different country in Asia and a different crime story that you might not have heard before. Follow Asia in the Shadows, link in the episode description. Now back to heinous. To understand why Lily was so afraid, we must understand a number of key players whose relationship would shock us. Lim Ban Lim himself, Tao Hong Lim, and Hong Li. All three men's origins could be traced back to the secret society, Ji Ho. Secret societies within Singapore started when Chinese immigrants arrived on our shores. A primary business model that emerged was to facilitate business and the safe passage of future Chinese immigrants through a levy. While in principle it sounds fair, as the more experienced Chinese were merely charging a fee to bring adolescent Chinese immigrants over safely, it was done in a manner so extreme. This made it a violation of human rights. The British left this largely unchecked until Singapore became a crown colony which meant that Singapore was now a priority. After completing their tour of Thailand, the Queen, the Duke of Edinburgh and Princess Anne arrived at Singapore in Britannia. A whole swath of reforms came in, from stricter laws, tougher enforcement, to establishing an administrative body that would manage the well-being of the ethnic Chinese in Singapore, Penang and Malacca. But this was not enough. Extortion still continued in parts of Singapore in the 1970s, led primarily by the secret societies that all three men were involved with. However, it seemed that Lim Ban Lim wouldn't be satisfied with that alone, and particularly so after his fateful encounter with a gunman named Tao Hong Lim.
Riau is a province in Indonesia and is incredibly close to Singapore. It would probably take a 100km boat ride to land on the shores of Riau when you can admire it for what it's known for today, its beautiful beaches. But in the 1960s, there were illegal trainings held there to improve your shooting. Great work, Tao Honglin. The instructor called. Wow, I'll probably be pretty good in a gunfight. Honglin thought to himself. He was about 1.65 meters and from Hokkien descent. And like everyone else, he was here in an illegal firing facility, training to become a shooter. He continued shooting. He was getting good at this. His training was complete. This would have made Hong Lim feared as a gunman, a skill unpolished among secret society members. Hong Lim took the boat back to Singapore and he was ready to make history. An employee woke up and was just heading to work. He was working in one of the largest media companies back in 1963, The Straits Times. Back then, they had a printing division in Anson Road. And today, just like every other day, the employee went to work. He opened the door. A gush of printing oil and the sound of machinery was everywhere. He headed straight to his desk and began his day like any other. It was then that he heard a strange machinery sound. Our printing machine spoiled. He was thinking out loud. He heard the strange sound again. And then, the sounds of machinery stopped. We're going to be in trouble if the machine is broken. The employee thought to himself as he looked up. They were in trouble, but it wasn't because of the machinery. They were getting robbed at gunpoint. He could see four people and all four were armed with revolvers. The four robbers would make away with $30,000 in payroll from the Straits Times, an equivalent of $120,000 today when adjusted for inflation alone. Part of the robber's success was the leadership of Hong Lim, who was now a trained marksman. But while $30,000 seemed crazy at the time, this would merely be the starting point of one of Singapore's most notorious criminal histories. In May 1965, Detective Peter Lim and his partner were walking around Pai Leba when they thought they spotted Hong Lim. He had already robbed the Straits Times printing division, which had made him pretty famous. Hey you, let's talk, the police officers probably said. The man looked up and the police noticed that he looked a little different from Hong Lim, but nonetheless, he seemed suspicious. But 1965 wasn't a time for any police officer to be in a daze. This was before 1973, where the Arms Offences Act was passed. That act made it illegal to use or to try to use a gun to commit any offence. By illegal, that meant that the act was punishable by death. So the police scanned the Hong Lim lookalike quickly, but not before he bolted. They ran from Pailiba Road to Macpherson Road, which on a straight path would be at least a kilometre of running. But Peter Lim was closing in on those criminals. His hand was almost touching the Hong Lim lookalike before he turned and began to go for Peter's revolver. Peter placed his right hand straight down on the revolver. Shit! Peter must have thought. But that moment's thought was all that the Hong Lim lookalike needed to escape 
with Peter's revolver. They were gone, and Peter looked to his right hand. It was bleeding, along with his right leg. It had been shot, so he gave up the chase. That day, the police placed the man onto the wanted list. A Hokkien, about 1.65 metres tall and of medium build. A while later, a newspaper editor started his day like any other. He had heard about this mysterious Hokkien man, but never thought much of him. After all, crime in the 1960s wasn't uncommon. But what was strange was finding a present outside his door. He held it and he made some jingling noises. This is one way to start my morning, the newspaper editor must have thought. He opened the wrapper and found a revolver, four bullets and a letter. The letter wrote, As a measure of self-defence, I took the revolver and ran away. I could have shot at the detective while he was down, but what for? The newspaper editor looked at the letter. It was unsigned, but Detective Peter Lim would later identify that revolver as his and suggest that the letter was likely from the strange Hong Lim lookalike that he was chasing. At that time, this letter would confuse the authorities and us. It would paint the picture that the Hong Lim lookalike seemed to be having cold feet and wanted to explain his actions to Detective Peter Lim. But if Peter had only known then what this man would do next, he would have called everyone to comb the streets in full force. We've got to catch Hong Lee. The message was ringing through every police constable's ear. The Hong Lim lookalike was identified with a different name, Hong Lee. And in three years since the last shootout, he had become Singapore's most wanted man by shooting another officer, Detective Alan Lee, at the Odeon Cinema at North Bridge Road and by robbing the Singapore steam laundry. Hong Lee had a price tag of $5,000 on his head, which is about $20,000 in today's value. With such a high price tag, most people would have expected him to be caught in no time. Or at least that's what Corporal Ko Chong Tai must have thought back in June 23rd, 1968. He was walking along Rangoon Road. It's hot, Corporal Chong Tai was probably thinking as he looked at the clock. The sun at 1.20pm is no joke. He was with two other officers when he noticed someone familiar. 1.65 meters tall, Chinese. No way, that's Hong Lee! Chong Tai thought. He signaled to his team and they began following him. Hong Lee was walking for about three minutes before he took a left turn onto Owen Road. Something isn't right, Chong Tai was thinking as he walked to a less crowded area. Hong Lee stopped. They were at a vacant plot of land on Owen Road. Hand over your pistol. Chong Tai was facing the other end of a Browning automatic pistol. Wait... What just happened? In a matter of seconds, Hong Lee had to jump on them. At that moment, Chong Tai was faced with a decision. He felt the beating of his heart and the trembling of his hands as he inched towards his revolver. It was unclear in the records why Corporal Ko Chong Tai did what he did. Maybe it was the pressure of the higher-ups beating down upon them to catch Hong Lee. Or perhaps it was his own pressure to uphold the creed. But that day, as his heart beat faster and faster, he made his decision. No, no, no. Chong Tai reached out 
and a struggle ensued. It all happened too quickly, but he saw his opening and he ran straight behind a parked car. It's going to be a shootout, Chong Tai thought. As he dashed towards the car, he felt himself gasping for air. <laughs> Grabbing his chest, he landed behind the car. He lifted his pistol and he shot back towards Hong Lee. His hands on his chest felt moist. He was bleeding out. He continued firing shot after shot. Before he felt the darkness come to stare him in the face. It was the barrel of the Browning automatic pistol. That was the last record we have of Chong Tai. It was said that Hong Lee fired point blank at his forehead. Hong Lee's price tag that day went up from 5000 to 10000 and eventually tripled to $17,000. According to the records, both Hong Lee and Hong Lim would terrorise Singapore from the 1960s to 70s. And as to why it was difficult to catch the both of them, it would remain a mystery to us for a while. But to Lily, it wasn't. As she was seated at the lounge in Golden Sultan, remembering these details made her hair stand. Aren't you afraid to kill a man? Lily asked the man beside her. The man looked up and smiled. Was Lim Ban Lim ever afraid? In the next episode, we'll discover one of the greatest heists carried out by the trio in Singapore's history and why both of us and the authorities would have to make the link between Hong Lee, Hong Lim and Lim Ban Lim if we were ever going to understand why Lily was so afraid. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by 1UP Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, you can reach out to us via email at heinous at oneupmediapodcast.com or through our Instagram or TikTok page at heinous underscore oneupmedia. This episode of Heinous was researched, produced and written by Yo Guang Jin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks as well to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toe from Mediacorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous. <laughs>